Well, good morning. Welcome to Cook's Hill and Summer Sunshine. This past week, some of the ministry leaders and staff at Cook's Hill went to the Free Methodist Conference that they host annually. And this year, it was a collaboration between multiple conferences on um, the West Coast. And so it was a very, very cool experience. But there was a couple of takeaways from that. And um, your delegates will share more about that in the future. But I want to share one thing that sort of came away for me. The whole um, conference was sort of a conference. Uh, conversation around collaboration and a conversation around cross-cultural, um, but also unity and what that looks like in the church as a whole. And um, it was really, really good. But one of the things that uh, one of the people teaching some of the breakouts said was that the thing that the American church, and I've just been thinking about this, so now I'm going to have you think about it too. So I'm not the only one thinking about it. But one of the things that they said is that the American church is really, really good at commitment because they've traded full surrender for commitments. And uh, I think as I've been thinking about that, it seems like it's very true. We're really good at committing because we're in control of the commitment. And if there's a commitment, um, it's easy for us to say, here's the end date, here's my capacity within that commitment, here's how much of myself I commit during that commitment, and whatever that commitment is, we maintain full control of that commitment. But what we should do is fully surrender to Jesus. And that looks a little bit different. And so the question I've been asking myself that I will now ask you to ask as well is where have I traded full surrender for a commitment because it's more comfortable? So think about that a little bit uh, and join me in asking that question as I uh, just ask the Lord to speak to me uh, about that. And hopefully he will also uh, speak to you about that. But one of the cool things about a conference in the Free Methodist world is that we have people who serve throughout the world that come to be a part of that. And one of the beautiful benefits of living in Centralia, which is a um, somewhat pit stop city between uh, Seattle and Portland, um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I feel like it's a little bit of like where you go to the bathroom when you're driving from Portland to Centralia. The benefit is that we have missionaries who stop to go to the bathroom. Um, well, more than that. They actually came this morning from the Portland Conference to Seattle where they will fly out later, but this uh, pit Stop City, Pit Stop Church, don't worry, it's not actually a thing. Um, but we are here this morning conveniently between Portland and Seattle. And so we get to hear what God is doing in Latin America through the Free Methodist World Missions. And I know we have heard from other missionaries as a part of the uh, Free Methodist World Missions, but um, we are excited to hear this morning about what's going on in Latin America. And um, Tanya and Rodrigo Rosados are here. And so would you welcome them to come tell us about their experience and what they're doing? Thank you guys for coming this morning. 
Thanks, Pastor Emily, for having us for that welcome. And uh, <laughs> after calling it a pit stop church, I don't necessarily know if I was going to share what I was planning to share just now because when we pulled in here today, Rodrigo said to me, this is that church we came to. And I said, you're right, it is. So about nine years ago, we were pastoring, we were youth pastors in Florida, but my brother lived in SeaTac, and we were driving for our anniversary trip from Seattle to Mount Hood, and we stopped here for church on Sunday. And so, sorry, but you guys are well positioned to receive people at your church, and so we just want to thank you for being welcoming today and uh, nine, ten years ago, which kind of tells us you guys how old we are, but... Uh, that's another story. But uh, my name is Tanya. This is Rodrigo. Our little one, Elia, she's almost five, is over here. Uh, we were at that conference, and so she's a little peopled out. So give us a little bit of grace on that as she plays over here. We gave her permission to do that. So we are so excited to be with you and share. Um, we are missionaries. We're based in Buenos Aires, Argentina, the capital city uh, of Argentina. It's a city, and I always get the numbers wrong. So there's Buenos Aires, the city, and then Buenos Aires, uh, the metropolitan area. In the city, there's 3 million, and in the metropolitan area, 13 million. So it's quite a large city, quite a large population. Uh, but we uh, co-pastor and co-lead a project called The Harbor, if you want to go to that next slide. This is the, the church building uh, in the heart of the city, of the historic district, actually, of the city. Um, and we lead this, lead this church. It's an international church. We're working towards that um, with lots of different parts of the project. Uh, but we're going to focus on just that international church today to be able to share what we do. So I want to just share what that looks like. So the first thing is that we have three missional communities. We have pictures on the next slide of our three missional communities. Oh, sorry, that's not the next slide. Let me tell you about our vision before I tell you about our missional community. So uh, we... Uh, our vision is to be a community gathered and scattered, living out the hope of Jesus in our city where we live, work, and play. This is the vision of the harbor. So throughout that 3 million and 12 million, we want to just live out the hope of Jesus. Um, and I just want to be clear, we did not come up with this vision statement. We stole it from another church that we were partnered with. Uh, so I like to give credit where credit is due. But this is really our heartbeat. We want to be the hope of Jesus. Uh, the city, the country of Argentina is more and more secularized. And so this, this hope of Jesus, what is the hope that we have for living, uh, is really what we're hoping to share with with our neighbors in each part of the city. And we do that, now I'll get to our missional communities, through three missional communities. And missional communities is just a big word for house church, um, although it doesn't have to meet in a house. You can see one there, that's the rooftop of our apartment building. Uh, it's cold there now, it's winter time in Argentina, so we're not on the rooftop anymore. Uh, but it could be in a, in a coffee shop where we're looking at maybe a, a courtyard outside the Faculty of Medicine for another uh, missional community. But it's small groups. Um, right now, each missional community averages between 7 and 9, 7 and 12 sometimes, depending on the week. Uh, and they meet in different places uh, of the city and on different days. So uh, we have one that meets uh, close to the Faculty of Medicine on Wednesday nights. The one at our house meets on Thursday nights. And then we have one that meets at the actual church building, uh, but still in a house church format on, on Sunday mornings. Uh, in addition to that, if you'll go to the next slide, 
uh, we have what we call an all-community gathering. So we have these three missional communities with, with prayer and hope for more, uh, but we come together one Sunday a month in an all-community gathering where everyone from those different churches comes together and we celebrate what God has been doing throughout the city, throughout the different missional communities. And so this is new. Uh, we've actually only been in Argentina for eight months. Uh, we've been on the field for a year. We had to make a pit stop in, we like to make pit stops. We made a pit stop in Colombia because Argentina was one of the last countries to open their borders. And so we just couldn't continue to wait in the United States paying for an Airbnb. It was too expensive. We don't raise money for Airbnbs. Uh, and so we actually stayed with some missionaries in Colombia for four months, started doing things online in Argentina and in Latin America, and then uh, arrived in November of last year. And so uh, we haven't been there that long, but this was our first all-community gathering as we transitioned towards this missional community's house church model. Um, and this picture is from our first all-community gathering, which was just last month, actually three days before we flew uh, to the States for partnership building. And there were 31 people uh, in attendance at this all-community gathering. Now, you might say 31 What's up with that number? I want you to remember that number because it's going to be really important in a second. There were 31 people there uh, just filled with joy as we all came together to celebrate how God had been working in our lives. Um, but we don't just do all community gathering. If you go to the next slide, we have this thing called POPs event. Uh, and so our POPs events are people of peace. So if you're not ready to invite someone to your missional community or to the all community gathering, you can invite them to this event here. Uh, we met in a park. We, we had sandwiches. We played what they called kicking ball. They thought they had uh, discovered this and made this up, kicking ball. And I'm like, guys, this is kick ball. Uh, and I've been playing it since I was five. But sure, there are two rule differences and caused a little bit of friction there. Uh, but we, 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 we maintained our sanctification quite a bit. We tried. Uh, but we played kicking ball. Uh, people invited friends that wouldn't normally go to church. Um, we also have every other month, we have a service, that, a service project to the community that we do all together. Uh, and then our worship team uh, was like, we don't want to just play worship once a month. Can we keep playing worship? We're like, Yes, <laughs> keep playing worship. So they're going to start, I think it, was it yesterday? Next, next Saturday, they're going to start doing once a month just a worship time. We're open altar in the city of Buenos Aires where someone can come and just worship Jesus for an hour, hour and a half. Um, in the next slide. Oh, yeah. So another part of our, sorry, <laughs> it's been a long week. Another part of our, our project is we have an emerging student leader residence. So students... Methodist students from all over Latin America um, that conference superintendents or district leaders recognize as emerging student leaders can come live at the harbor, uh, study at the University of Buenos Aires. It's the best university in Latin America. And there's these there's students that want to connect their professional calling uh, with this calling they feel to ministry. And so they come, they, they study at the University of Buenos Aires, and then they get hands-on ministry experience uh, with us at the harbor. And so these are our three students. They're all girls right now. They're all from Colombia. Uh, but as we renovate the building a little bit more, we'll be able to open it to more students. We'll figure out how to do the guy-girl thing in a, in a building. Uh, but we're really excited about how God is going to use uh, those students. Um, but I just want to say, if we go to the next slide, that it didn't always look that way. Um, when we arrived, 
uh, eight months ago, this was our first Sunday. This was our first Sunday there. And the people you see in this picture is all that were there. There were seven people in attendance. So when I said 31 before, can you understand why I'm really excited? So from November to now, we went from 7 to 31, and we're so excited. And if you look here, uh, the people uh, that were going were, let's say, in the later years of their life. Uh, there was one young person. Uh, she's 22, 23, the granddaughter of the founding member uh, of this church. Uh, but that's it. And if you look at this picture, two of the people were the interim pastors. So they left when we got there. And so we, we, this is what we came to. And God in that time of eight months has grown from the seven people to 31. And so the question we ask is, what changed? What happened? How did we get from seven people to 31 people in eight months? And so I have a push pin there because I'm not going to answer that question right away. Um, uh, we're going to put a pin in it and I'm going to come back at the end and we're going to talk about what changed. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to then uh, read a verse. You can go to the next slide. Uh, but let's pray. Uh, let's pray that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, would speak to us, uh, would move our hearts. Um, Father, we come before you, Lord God, um, with open hearts, Lord, to, to hear your word, to be blessed by it, to be challenged by it, uh, to be moved by it, Lord God, and to be ministered. Father, um, would you open, Father, the floodgates of heaven and, and pour your blessings, Lord, over our lives, Lord. You pour your word over our lives, Lord God. Uh, thank you very much for, for this time uh, that we get the privilege to read your word and meditate on it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. And it says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promise which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gather around him and ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has said by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Wow, what a holy moment. Uh, wouldn't you like to have been there? Wouldn't that have been great? Um, is, this, is, is this sort of the, of the great commission? And Jesus is, is ascending to heaven. As he, these are his last words on earth. Usually when someone has last words, that's, that's a very important message. Right? If you have a, a, someone that you love that is going to give you their last words, and, and they're, they're not going to say, like, don't forget to wash the dishes. Or, Mike, I know there's a mic here, don't forget to take the trash. You always forget. No, they, they will say something important, something meaningful, right? And this is why this, this version of the Great Commission, and, and, and it was like the ultimate mic drop, right? He's ascending, power will come on you, and you'll be my witnesses, and poof, mic drop, right? Uh, what a beautiful commission to, uh, to, to scatter, to go and be his witnesses everywhere. 
can we go to the next one? There is this concept called um, purposeful tension. I actually used to work for an insurance company. I, I won't say which insurance company it was, but it was backed by Allstate, and it was insurance for the modern world. Free advertisement there, right there. So I was promoted into a management position. I know someone had figured it out, but it's fine. Um, I was promoted into a management position. I went to one of these big meetings with the directors, and they were talking about different things, uh, about different issues or different conflicts. You know, the customer service department with the sales department that always had, there's always conflict there, with the quality assurance department, with the accounting department, with different departments. And, you know, I, for a moment, they look at each other, the directors, the VP and the director of sales, and, and they smile. And they tell us, actually, we do this in purpose. There's this concept called purposeful tension. And the idea is that with that tension, you would improve on one another, right? If you feel that tension there, that just moves you to do better, but also moves the other person or the other department to do better as well. And, well... <laughs> That was a great, I was ready to say amen and let's go. You know, it felt like church a little bit. But so is with many things. Like we were at a different conference and Bishop Keith Coward was sharing about the revival in the Azusa area in California. And so you had the Pentecostal saying the Holy Spirit is power. And the Methodist saying the Holy Spirit is purity and holiness. And there was this tension. And Bishop Keith Coward said, so it's not one or the other. It's both. It's power and it's also purity. And in many recent, many, uh, many times in many different situations, we see this purposeful tension when we talk about loving our neighbor and, lover, and loving God. They're both together. Someone asked Jesus, which, which one is the greatest commandment? And he didn't give him one, even though he was asked for one, for the greatest. He gave him two. Love you, God, with all your heart, with all your mind but also love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot say you love God if you don't love your neighbor. You haven't understood grace. And same thing with gather and scatter. We talk about this, this concept of being a community that is gathered. We understand the Lord has called us to gather, to be a church, to build on one another, to edify one another, to pray for one another. Of course, that is important. And there must be tension on that side. But also to scatter, to go out to our community to those who haven't heard yet, and be a blessing to them. So this is called slacklining. I don't know if you guys ever done or heard of that. So it's supposed to have tension on both sides. But you need the tension on both sides so you can actually walk on it. So if it loses, I, I try, has anybody tried this? Oh, wow, but, well, this, I'm speaking to the choir or preaching to the choir here. It's great. I tried it once and I felt miserably. I never tried it again. Soccer is my sports. That's my excuse. By the way, you have a great soccer field back there, so that's amazing. But anyway, so those who have tried it, you need that tension. If you're losing the tension on one side, you're going to fail miserably as I do, <laughs> even with both sides with tension. So it's important to have that tension. It's purposeful tension. Those who, when we are talking about gathering, we need to talk about community and building community within the church. But it doesn't mean we don't talk about scattering. We also got to talk about how we can be missional and scatter and reaching out to the lost. But it doesn't neglect that we also focus on the other. They, they really have to go together. There is a concept that I really enjoy. Um, we can go to the next slide. Um, oh, I guess it's not there. 
Okay, well, I thought I had it there. So there's this word for church in Greek. Who knows the word for church in Greek? You can just shout it out. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. Yeah, and it's a combined word that means ek, asia, kaleos, jamaro, jamaos. So and combined and in the common use, it means the assembly of the ones who have been called out. It was used even before the church began by the assembly of local communities in, in, in the Greek world. So ecclesia is the assembly of the ones who have been called out. That's the, that's the gathering of the ones who have been called to scatter. So in order to be the church, we have to gather to scatter. Otherwise, we're a church. So the mission is not just for the pastors and leaders and delegates. They had this beautiful moment yesterday where uh, Superintendent Michael Forney asked, or was it the night before, that not just the pastors and leaders would stand up, but that all the lay people will stand up. And they stood up, and, and we clap, and we pray over them. We, we lay on hands on them. And that was a beautiful moment because it means this calling is for every one of us. If you have been called to be part of the church, if you are part of the church, you have to have this calling of being called to gather and scatter. It is the assembly of the one who have been called out to scatter. Have you guys watched the Avengers Endgame? Great movie, right? I see a lot of smiles. Yeah, that's a really good movie. It was so good, I stopped watching Marvel movies after that. I don't know if it happened to anyone else. It's like nothing is going to compare again. So anyway, so there's this moment, right, where, well, Captain America, you know, they, he turns around on your left, and everybody starts to show up, right, this big assembly, right, and, and the music. I'm horrible at music. And everybody's just showing up, and there's Hulk and Ant-Man, and, and everybody's yelling. I've seen the version. You've got to look up the, the version on YouTube where it would live audience. I watched that like 20 times. It just excites me so much just to watch people yelling, whoa, there's a Spider-Man and, you know, whatever. And people just show up. And then this uh, climax moment where Captain America says, I know you guys know it. I'm not going to give you a pass on that one. He says, Avengers, assemble. Avengers, assemble. Right? And after they assemble, then is the big battle. They go and the music continues, and they're all gonna go fight with these guys, right? And that is like the climax of the movie. We love it. So imagine if it would have just ended with Captain America, Avengers assemble, and he's building up, and then the credits begin to show up. You would have been disappointed, right? I mean, you should be as for a refund or something. I would have continued to watch Marvel movies after that. So. Because that is, I mean, you assemble, and the same things we assemble, the church, the ecclesia assembles to go out. We are the assembly of the ones who have been called out. That is in our name. We are the church. There is this movie uh, with Kevin Costner, Feel of Dreams. I watched it once, but I know everybody makes reference to it, like they watch it 20 times. Um, it's called If You Build It, They Will Come. I really believe that if the church begins to have this rhythm of gathering and also scattering, and feel even sometimes this tension in moving towards mission, um, I think we could almost flip it to if you come to where people are, they will build it. It was beautiful to see what has happened in Argentina. When we got there and when people are starting inviting their friends and they're inviting their friends, someone invited her brother, invited their friends, um, 
I think when we take the church out, when we scatter, they will come. If you come to them, they will build it. And I want to end with this verse. Mark 4, 26, I think it's just through 27. We've got to fix that. It says, um, I'm sorry, I talk out loud like I'm talking to myself. But he says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters the seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself, the soul produces grain First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. I really like that part where he says, whether he sleeps or gets up. It's God, it's the Holy Spirit who gives the growth. I was in a breakout session with the Wakamayers, and they said that prayer is the air that multiplication breathes. We real, and prayer is not about just God uh, bringing fruit to what I'm doing. It's more about us being in tune in harmony with what he wants to do. It's about us participating with God in the restoration of our world. So the Holy Spirit is the one who, who opens door, who brings people, who gives to grow, even though when we are sleeping. And that is a beautiful part of it. I love that part. But we are called to scatter. There's one thing we need to do, just a scatter. You know, sometimes it might not work. There were things that we tried, it didn't work. You know, um, one of the, the things that you share about worship night, it was great. So we were growing, we had new youth people, and they decided to make a worship band, and they're excited about it. But we feel called to the mission of um, being a scattered community as well. So we're only going to meet in our house church, and once a month, we all gather. So they're a little, oh, man, now we're only going to, we just started playing. I know we're only going to play once a month. I was a little disappointed, but we, we talk and talk to the worship leader and let the Holy Spirit lead you. What does he say? Again, he's the one who gives the growth. And then came up with this idea of worship night. Again, an open altar in the middle of the city of Buenos Aires. And now they have to practice more. They have to because it's an hour and a half is like 12 songs, 15 songs. So now they're going to have to still practice every week um, and, have, and play for longer and hopefully be a blessing to all the community. Uh, Jesus told them that they needed to stay in Jerusalem until they received power uh, from the Holy Spirit, and then they would scatter and be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Um, so I put a pin in and I said, uh, what changed? What happened? Uh, so now we're going to come back to that. Um, what would have happened if the disciples, even once they received uh, power from the Holy Spirit, had just stayed in Jerusalem? If they had just gathered, we wouldn't have been able to fulfill that great commission of being witnesses to the uttermost parts of the of the earth. So when we arrived in Buenos Aires, uh, this group of people, these, this seven to nine, um, were just gathered. They were gathered. This church was actually started, it's kind of complicated, for Japanese-speaking descendants, which is called Nikkei. So it was started for Nikkei in Argentina. So people who had moved from Japan to Argentina, some were Japanese-speaking, some uh, for generations they'd been there now are, are Spanish-speaking. But that was the, the history of it. It was actually started by one of the conferences that was at the one conference this weekend. Um, 
And so they were focused on gathering. We need to protect our church. We need to protect our culture. This culture isn't, uh, they, they don't, aren't really accepting of us as Nikkei, and so we're going to gather. Um, and not only that, uh, in Argentina, because they were one of the last to open after the pandemic, they only were able to start meeting together again in October. So March 2020 to October of last year, they weren't they couldn't gather. They were completely scattered. And so at that point when we got there, they were gathered. And they're saying, we're going to stay here and we're going to maintain and we're going to make sure that we are okay. And that's what we're going to do. But they had forgotten that, yes, you need to gather. Being scattered for that long during the pandemic is not good for Christian believers who are called to be a community. But you're not called to just gather. You're called to gather, to scatter to gather, to scatter, to gather. I could say this a lot of times, but that is what we're called to do, to gather, to, to get hope and feel the Holy Spirit and be together, to then scatter and be the hope of Jesus in the world, to then gather again, uh, to be together and then scatter again. That is what we are called to. Uh, and they had forgotten that. Um, so the only thing that we did, um, it really is the Lord. This is our, our verse right now, that if you scatter, it's the Lord that brings the growth, whether we're sleeping or we get out of bed. And we find so much hope and joy in that, that it does not depend on us. It depends on the spirit. What we did is we got there and we reminded them. We are called to scatter. We are called to be that church to go out. That is what we're called to do. Um, and so we, we started with what we call Disciples Making Disciples Training, DMD. Uh, we taught that to several of the people that were starting to come. And then they started to invite someone, uh, the worship pastor, worship leader, sorry, she's 23. Uh, her brother started to come. He had stopped going to church altogether uh, when the pandemic happened. And then he invited a friend who invited a friend, and then the worship leader invited another friend, and then this uh, Venezuelan refugee um, who was living in a different city, we invited him. He was a conference ministerial candidate. He wasn't connected to the Free Methodist Church anymore, so we invited him to come, and he knows a bunch of others that are living in the city of Venezuela. And so this is all we did. We, we reminded them, you know what? Let's gather. Let's remember who we are, the power of the Holy Spirit, and now let's go out and let's share that. And that is what is happening uh, in Buenos Aires right now. It is all the Holy Spirit's doing as he is helping people go out and share the hope of Jesus in the city. If we can go to the next slide, I think it's that vision again. That is what we want to do. We've reminded them that we need to be the hope of Jesus where we live, work, and play, and we have lots of students, and so we also add and study. How can you, where you live, work, and play, and study, be the hope of Jesus? How can you share Share your faith in ways that make sense to people there. Um, it, was, it was kind of a hard sell as we're trying to transition from a more traditional model uh, to this missional community model, because uh, that's what it looks like for us. Um, but we have these people that are coming from uh, an hour, it's a family, an hour and a half to the north. There was this family that came to the POPs event. They came from three hours away to that POPs event because it's this metropolitan city, 12 million people. And so we say to people, you know, we have to gather, but we need to scatter because no one should have to take, no one should have to walk and then take a bus and then take a train 
and then take a bus and then walk an hour and a half to get to church. We, it, this shouldn't have to do that. There's not as many cars, so you have to do that, and you have to wait for the next train. You have to wait for the next bus. And so we need to be a community scattered across Buenos Aires so that people can have this expression of the hope of Jesus in their community. That's really what we're hoping for is a house church in every one of these communities of the metropolitan area of, of Buenos Aires. And I get excited to think about the fact that God could realize that as we start to have contacts, contacts around around the city, but I'm getting excited and, and losing my place in my notes. So if you go to the next slide, I'll get back on track. Um, yeah, so for us as well, we have to, we don't just remind remind the people, uh, our congregation of this, we have to live this out. So we were telling someone as we first got here, they're like, so what are you doing? And we tried to explain it shortly, but uh, we do co-pastor and co-lead that project, The Harbor, but when I arrived in Columbia, they asked me to lead up uh, what we call Empowering Transformational Churches for the 16 uh, districts and conferences where the Free Methodist Church has work in Latin America. Uh, so that's part of my job. And then right before we went to Argentina, there was an issue in the Argentinian Mission District, and so our area director asked Rodrigo if he would uh, be the interim for three to five years, interim uh, mission district leader. Um, and so we do a lot. We're, we're a little bit scattered. That's a lot. And how do we do that? Well, we gather and then we scatter. We gather, we each have a team. I have a team with uh, Empowering Transformational Churches. He has a team uh, with the Mission District. Um, we have a team at the harbor, and we gather with the leaders and with the Holy Spirit, and then we scatter, and we let the Lord bring the growth. And it takes trust. It takes surrender, as Pastor Emily was saying. It's not commitment. It's surrender and saying, I can't control this. I, I don't even have time in a day to do everything that I need to do, and I go to sleep, and it is the Lord who brings the growth, whether we sleep or we get up, the seed sprouts. And so we're, we're having to, to live this out uh, in personally as leaders as we are encouraging our congregation to do that. And so if we go to the next slide, I just want to say, what does that look like for you here at Cooks Hill Community Church? Uh, for us, it's missional communities and all community gathering. We physically scatter every week to different missional communities, but that's not what it has to look like. You guys are gathering on Sunday. What does it look like to scatter uh, for Cooks Hill uh, Community Church throughout the week to be the hope of Jesus where you live, work, play, and study? Um, and I just want to leave you guys with that question. What does it look like for you? Um, we figured it out, or we're figuring it out at the harbor, uh, but I want you guys to think about that question. But I also want to just say thank you for having us, uh, because um, having missionaries here supporting missions is one way that you are scattering. Uh, it's one way that you are being an impact, having influence around uh, the world. I think we can go to the next slide. Partnering with missions is the way to scatter. And there's actually a video uh, that Free Methodist World Missions put together just about that. I wanted to go ahead uh, and share that with you. It's a really brief one-minute video. Scripture. It starts with the sons of Noah who were scattered over the whole earth. Just two chapters later, Noah's descendants came together to build a city with a tower to make a name for themselves. Otherwise, they said, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Just a few verses later, the Lord confused their language and scattered them over the face of the whole earth. 
Throughout the Old Testament, the word continues to be used. Scattered all over Egypt, scattered on the waters, nations where he scattered you, people are scattered on the mountains. And in the New Testament, the sheep will be scattered. The scattered children of God, his followers were scattered. Apostles were scattered throughout. From the Tower of Babel to the Great Commission, God reaches to every tribe, language, and nation. The scattering of the church is our calling to reach to the ends of the earth with the good news. There are more than 84 million forcibly displaced people worldwide. The world has more scattered people today than at any other time in history. The opportunities for the spread of the gospel are immense. God has always used the movement of people to spread his good news. In the U.S. these past two years, we have struggled to gather, but the message of Jesus has continued to scatter to the ends of the earth. Through free Methodist leaders and missionaries, the fruit we have seen is beyond our wildest dreams with the planting of thousands of new churches around the world. As you connect with your global Free Methodist family, you join a growing movement of God's children scattered. Thank you for partnering with missions, for scattering, uh, for being a part of that movement. Uh, I know a lot of the faces in that video, those were the faces of all of our, our district and conference leaders across the world uh, and their leadership teams. And uh, it really is so important what you are doing. So as you're figuring out what does it look like to scatter, as we gather on Sundays, what does it look like to scatter? Recognize that you are scattering as you partner with missionaries and ministries uh, domestically and globally. Um, and I just want to give you three tangible things. And I keep saying I'm going to change. We can go back to that one, <laughs> that we can change those one slide back change the order of those uh, because it says encouraging, praying, giving. Praying should be first. <laughs> and I don't know why I didn't put that first. Prayer is one way that you can scatter. It really is. Prayer is so important to us as missionaries to know that there are churches behind us that are lifting us up in prayer and holding us before the Father as we do what we do means so much. I just want to give a quick story. Um, someone was struggling with their Spanish. Uh, we're both fluent, but not quite yet. Um, and I put in our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter. We send one usually <laughs> once a month. Um, and I put in there our one of our prayer requests. We give the top prayer requests in each area of our ministry. And I just said, pray for her. She's really struggling. Um, we've always spoken a little bit of Spanish with her. And so she would say a word here, a word there, or ask, how do you say this in Spanish? But um, we were living in Argentina, and she'd stop speaking Spanish. <laughs> and I was worried about her. She wasn't really speaking it at school. Um, I put it in the newsletter. I kid you not, the next day after I asked for prayer, she, I heard her counting in Spanish in our house. And I was like, this is an answer to prayer. And so we really, really love your prayer and need your prayer. And that's one way that you can partner. Another way is through encouraging. Um, sometimes just an email will change our day, change our week. Uh, Easter was a little bit different this year. I had mentioned earlier that Argentina is secularizing. So we celebrated Easter in Argentina, but it's not quite the same as here. It didn't have that 
big excitement party kind of feel that we do here. Um, and so it was hard. It was one of those culture shock moments. It was really hard for us. But one of our partnering churches, they did some kind of activity on Easter Sunday where the kids colored coloring sheets for Easter for their missionaries. And they scanned them in and they sent them to us. And I got it the day after Easter. And I wrote back immediately. I said, you have no idea how much this meant to me because I was really, sorry, emotional about it. I was really struggling missing home. And that was what it what took to, to be able to keep us on the field. So, sorry, I didn't know I was going to cry on that one. <laughs> Encouraging is really important. And then also giving. Um, as missionaries, we, don't, we aren't a burden to the church that we pastor there. We, we have to raise our own support. So we're at about 70% uh, funded, which we praise the Lord for every month. Our, our, things are, our expenses are covered. But we do have to raise funds for, for ourselves, for the ministries, Empowering Transformational Church, Argentina. And so uh, that's another way uh, to partner with missions. You can go to the next slide now. And we can just leave this up for a minute uh, so that you guys can have it up there. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can follow us on Facebook. And then there's the way to uh, partner through prayer or giving uh, if the Lord so leads you. Um, this is a good way to scatter, but uh, let's not remiss our point uh, and actually to bring it home. Um, where is the Lord calling you to scatter in your community? The call, again, is not just for the pastors, leaders, and delegates. It's for you as well. And I'm sure Pastor Emily will be thrilled if someone approaches her. Pastor, um, I, I'm being, I sense the Holy Spirit leading, leading me and moving moving me to, to scatter. I don't know how. Would you help me? Or maybe this is the idea he gave me. I don't know. Would you let the Holy Spirit lead you? Will, will you let the Holy Spirit move you? Um, he's the one who gives the girl. Um, again, it's not about that he would bless our efforts, but about us uh, aligning with his heart. Trust me, he loves people way more than we do. <laughs> He would love to see people coming to, to him way more than we do. He loved it so much, he gave his life for that very for that very thing. So as you pray, or when you pray, would you ask the Holy Spirit? And we're going to pray now to wrap up. But you ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, will you show me? Will you help me to sense and feel this mission and this calling that you have placed upon me as part of the church? Will you help me to sense those words of Jesus who said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses? I know I've been praying, but let's pray. Let's keep praying. <clears throat> Father, ah, Lord, we surrender to you, Father. Um, help me. Help us to surrender to your voice, to your calling, to your will. Uh, Father, uh, it is a beautiful thing that we get and a privilege that we get to participate with you in the restoration of our communities, Lord. Father, will you will you help us? Will you show us? Will you move us? Will you put, uh, I don't know, a burden in our hearts, Lord, that don't let us sleep, Lord God, so that when we obey your calling, Lord, then we can go to sleep trusting that you will bring the growth, that you will bring people to you, to you Father. Uh, Lord God, Please move us, Lord, uh, work um, through me and, and in spite of me, beyond my eloquence of words, Lord, and move your church, Lord God, to continue to gather, to continue to be a church, to continue to love on one another and build on one another, 
but also to scatter, Father God, to be a blessing, to be a light to others, to be salt of the earth, to bring the church to where people are, Father. Thank you very much for your word, for your calling, for your presence, Lord. As we were singing earlier, Lord, it's your presence, Lord. There's nothing worth more, Father. Lord, help us to be worthy servants of your calling. In Jesus' name we pray.